Boom, we are live, UFC 289 post-fight show, here with ranked lightweight Grant Dawson. Guys, we're here, we just got the retirement news from Amanda Nunez, she's calling it a career, greatest female combat athlete of all time, calling it a career. Um, overall, great pay-per-view top to bottom, we had some good fights, um, we had some extremely exciting finishes as well. Uh, but Grant, let's get your thoughts on the pay-per-view overall, just uh, top to bottom, what were, what were your thoughts on it? Man, I thought it was a good card. It's funny, the, the fights I wasn't excited for delivered and the fights I were was excited for uh, kind of fell short. I was really excited for the Dan Ige versus Nate Landwehr fight. Uh, Nate Landwehr was uh, coming off of an a, a impressive win uh, over Austin Lingo. And then the fight before that, he had a fight of the year contender with a buddy of mine named David Onama. And so I was expecting, I didn't think he was going to win, but I definitely thought that he was going to come out and give us a show. And it just kind of fell flat. And I don't know if that was because Dan Ige is that good or if uh, Nate just didn't show up, but I was a little let down with it. <clears throat> no, I was definitely there with you. It seemed like the, the reckless Nate, the train that you saw in previous fights leading up to this fight, he tended to, he tend to respect Dan Ige's power a little bit more. Um, so you saw him just not be as active. Same thing with Arena Aldana, especially in the main event. Um, you did, you know, expected her to come out using that striking, that Mexican boxing, that aggressiveness that she talked about and that we all heard about going into this fight. But it seemed like she was just in there. She got had deer in headlights and she wasn't really throwing too much. She had a good counter strike in the first round, but outside of that really didn't land too much. It was essentially a sparring match for Amanda Nunes for the entire fight. And then at the end of the day, she calls it a career. Um, but let's get to the fight before we get to her career as a whole. Um, thoughts on the main event and and just uh, her, her thoughts on uh, the performance by Aldana and the lack thereof, I should say. Man, I, I don't know if it's because I'm cutting weight right now because I fight in three weeks. I don't know if it's because it's one in the morning right now, but I, I'm going to tear into this girl, man. Like she... She had an opportunity that that most people in this sport would give their life to have, and she just absolutely destroyed it. Uh, th this girl ha is bigger, taller, stronger—not stronger, but bigger, taller, longer—is what I meant to say. Uh, has this huge reach advantage, and she goes out there and decides to do this for for five rounds. And and you said uh, it was a sparring match for Nunez. And, and I don't think that's accurate. I think it was a cardio kickboxing class for Nunez. It, it was just one of the worst performances I have ever seen um, from a title contender. And that's not to say that I think that she could have won the fight. Like she didn't lose because she is a less skilled fighter. Although I do believe she is. She lost because she went in there and said, yeah, this, Winning to me is going to be not getting finished. And she just, just does, dude, you've got the reach. You're a boxer. You come from that Mexican boxing style. Throw a freaking jab. I, I, I'm very, look, man, I, I hate tearing into people after fights because I know how difficult it is, but I, I've been in fights where, you know, it, it, it was, it wasn't looking good and you got to just bite down and fight. And so I'm not, Man, and that that's your dream fight right there to to win the belt and you you blew it. Yeah, I mean you can't go out there and I mean first three rounds, eight, eleven, eight, um landed strikes. <laughs> uh you, you can't go out there and, and end up winning a fight with that type of effort. You have to go out there, be more aggressive, especially 
with a fighter like Amanda Nunez, you've seen when she did lose to Juliana Pena is because Pena turned up the aggressiveness and kind of put Amanda on her back foot a little bit more, didn't let her get comfortable. But Aldana, although having the, the technical skills as far as the boxing to be able to try to do that, she didn't even attempt to do that as well. So it was a little disappointing to see that. It's going to be interesting to see what the UFC does from there with her. It's interesting with fighters like that because they show different skill sets when fighting everyone else except the champ. But she didn't show that tonight. But let's get to Amanda Nunez, man. What a way to call it a career. I mean, dominant from top to bottom. Um, what, were, what are your thoughts on her career uh, just as a whole? Man, uh, I'm I'm glad it's over. Uh, I think that she was the, I think she's the best female fighter of all time, uh, and and that is purely off of her her accolades. You know, she she's got wins, and and keep in mind finishes over most of these girls that I'm about to name. Cyborg considered one of the best. Ronda Rousey considered the best. Uh, Holly Holm, you know, uh, the the Iron Lady. Like she's she's beat all these girls that are considered to be. Uh, the best female fighters of all time. And she didn't just beat them. She walked through them. And then after tonight, you know, <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you. I think she just got bored of fighting these turds. No, I 100% agree with you. I mean, I think at, at some point, um, you don't want to push yourself through a 12-week camp to to go out there and not have any true competition. It seemed like she ran out of competition and, and putting herself through that, making those sacrifices, maybe being away from your family wasn't worth it anymore, especially having a young kid and wanting, wanting to watch her grow up. So, you know, you, you expected the writing on the wall, especially DC, John Anik, were alluding to her potentially calling it a career sooner, but she did call it a career much sooner um, than anticipated. As far as I'm concerned, I, like it was a interesting it was like the next generation of female mixed martial artists taking that step right when she when she came into it you know you had a lot more one-dimensional female mixed martial artists with like ronda rousey with her judo style you had um jermaine Dur Dur durandamy uh with her boxing style you know holly home who's developed more now into more well-rounded but at the time was much more of just a boxer slash kickboxer style fighter so now you saw her amanda newest take that belt and really, you know, amplify the importance and the significance of it by becoming what uh, a true female mixed martial artist is top to bottom from ground game to striking to clinch work. You know, we saw the elbows tonight, the low kicks, everything. She was a truly polished mixed martial artist. And it's going to be interesting to see what goes in there. But the second fighter, or the co-main event was a little more exciting. We had a banger from Charles Oliveira and Benil Daryush. In the first round, uh, it seemed like Charles pulled guard. Benil was able to end up on top, and it was able to actually not be in too much of a submission threat. Uh, there was like almost a leg lock that he was able to get through. Benil slipped out of that, able to get back on top, land some decent ground and pound. But with like a minute and a half left to go, the fight stood back up, and it seemed like Charles was just ready to go. He landed, I think it was a right hand. That land just robbled him a little bit, and another right hand over the top that put Benil down, ground and pound, TKO. Charles Oliveira is going to be fighting Islam Mahashev for the title next. Thoughts on the co-main event? Man, uh, I I said it from day one when it was when this fight was announced. I was shocked, and I mean shocked, that Charles Oliveira was an underdog. I I just did not see how Benil Dariush uh, could win this fight, and and that's not to say that Benil isn't good. We're talking about a guy that recently went to a split decision with Diego Fajeda. We're talking about a guy that was getting beat up by Drew Dober until he wasn't. We're talking about a guy that was getting beat up by, uh, uh, oh, what's the guy he knocked out his name? I'm blanking on his name. Uh, Jakar Close. You, you, you know what I mean? Like, we've seen 
we've seen uh, him stumble a bunch of times. He got knocked out for by uh, Alexander Hernandez, for Pete's sake. I absolutely thought that uh, Charles Oliveira was going to win this fight, and I'm going to be completely honest with you. I thought Benil Dariush did better than than I thought he was going to do. Seems like we lost him there. Might have just got a call. Sorry. You're back. Yeah, sorry, my bad. Uh, it just it's one of those things, man. Like, I I was shocked that a man can can lose one fight after beating you know Dustin Poirier, who is an incredible fighter, after beating uh, Justin Gaethje, who's an incredible fighter, and then he loses one fight to Islam Makhachev, and everybody thinks that he's lost it, man. This is the one thing I don't like about this sport. Yeah, fans seem to have a very short memory, especially when it comes to the top of the mountain and you're fighting these guys that are literally the best at their weight class in the world. You know, if you go and you lose to that person, that doesn't mean that everything that you've accomplished beforehand is discredited. You know, it just means that the champion at the current time was better than you. And it seems like Charles does have the skill set to threat to threaten uh, Islam Mahachev, right? Obviously, he has the submission threat. The stand-up game is very polished, and he's only seeming to get better and better with that as well. So let's get a quick preview on that. How do you expect that next fight to go? I, I don't think that I don't think that uh, Charles is going to be fighting Islam next. I think he's going to have one more in between. I think that uh, the winner of Dustin Poirier versus Justin Gaethje is going to get, and that that's just a theory. Like, I, I don't have any inside information or anything like that, but I, I really don't think that people want to see that right away. I think they want to see uh, somebody that has a chance of knocking Islam out. I think that's what they want to see. And that's not to say that uh, Charles can't can't finish. If they do get matched up there, I, I just after after tonight, um, I, I, see, I saw I saw a post uh, somebody made. I can't remember who it was, but they said something along the lines of this was an incredible performance by uh, Charles but it doesn't scream, I can beat the champion. You know, when, when Benil was on top, he was doing really well. And I think when you get somebody like Islam Makashev, if you give him those positions, man, he's you're just not going to get away from him. So I don't necessarily want to see it next. And if it happens again, I think Islam does it again. So if you think uh, Charles doesn't get the championship fight next, who do you think he should fight next uh, overall? Because obviously you have Poirier versus Gaethje, um, you don't know when Chandler versus Connor is going to happen and at what weight class is going to be. So, you know, who do you think potentially should be the next challenge for Charles Oliveira? Man, I think, uh, I think, uh, Gamrot is, is a good candidate for that. Um, I could also see, uh, Connor. I think that's a big one. You know, I, I don't know what Connor is doing. I don't know what in, in a perfect world. I think what you do is you take the winner of, Connor versus Michael Chandler and you put him against Charles Oliveira. That's what I think. I don't think either of those guys would deserve a title shot after a win. So you put him against Charles and then after Charles chokes him out or knocks him out again, then you give Charles the, the, the belt. Awesome. Great thoughts there. As we are joined live by the normal host, Mr. Waking Blake. Blake Sneers, my man. How are you doing? What's going on, boys? How are we doing today? We're doing lovely. Appreciate you joining us. So obviously... We were just talking about the main and, and finishing up with the co-main event right there. Quick thoughts on, on the main event and then the retirement of Amanda Nunez. First off, I want to give a big uh, welcome and shout out to Mr. Grant Dawson. Thank you so much for joining the show, Grant. I appreciate it. It's been a while since I've seen you, brother. How you been? Good, man. How you doing? I've been good, man. I've been good. Been busy. I was running around trying to speed home. It's raining here in Kansas City, so the highway was all jacked up, but um, no, speaking about the Amanda Nunez fight, me and my me and my girlfriend Peyton were actually watching it, and 
Were you guys as surprised as I was? Did anybody have any inkling that she was about to retire? Obviously, she's been a, a veteran in the game for quite a while, but I was I was pretty shocked until she said, uh, where's the cut man? Where's the scissors? Get the scissors. And then all, immediately I knew what she was doing. And um, obviously her performance tonight was dominant. I mean, I mean, it was it was it was exactly what a lioness would do. I mean, uh, Arena Aldana, great fighter. She didn't stand a chance tonight. Pretty much Amanda Nunez had her way with her. Um, but yeah, the the retirement really caught me off guard. And obviously, she's going to be a first round ballot, first ballot Hall of Famer in the 2024 induction if she does stay retired. Um, said she wants to spend a lot more time with her family. Her mom's been watching her since 2000. Eight, I believe she was 19 when she got into the game. Um, her wife, obviously, as well. So uh, I was surprised. I think it's awesome. What a great way to go out. She is the only current Brazilian champion right now, and she's a two-time or two-two-division champ. Um, so it was it was a beautiful ending, beautiful ceremony. But I was definitely wow factor shocked. Yeah, I was definitely a little bit surprised. Like I said, I wasn't sure. You there wasn't 100 certainty whether she was going to retire or not. She didn't really say that this was her last fight. She didn't really, you know, go out with that last dance per se. Uh, but it seems like what Grant alluded to earlier is that she ran out of competition. So it yeah. seemed like maybe this was just her time. And who knows? Maybe a year or two years from now, you see a rising star. Maybe she comes back and she takes a fight against that person, right? So maybe we'll see that down the line. Who knows? And Blake, uh, also give us your thoughts on the on the co-main. Obviously, Charles Oliveira TKOing Benio Dariush in, a, in an exciting first round. Man, I'll tell you what, uh, and I'd love to to hear Grant's take after this, but Charles, I thought this was going to be a lot closer of a match. Obviously, Benio Dariush is fantastic in what he does. Only five losses in his entire career. Uh, 22, five and one. And then obviously Charles Oliveira is a legend with many records in the sport, but I thought this was going to be a way closer matchup and Oliveira came out and just, I mean, that's an impressive performance. He landed two nasty head kicks, uh, right in the first round. He started off with a really good one. Um, didn't seem any way deterred by Danush, uh, Darius's ground game. He wanted, he welcomed him to the mat multiple times. Um, and almost had that leg lock in the, or, you know, started to, to work for a leg lock in the first round. Um, so he didn't look like he was deterred or even wavered at all by Dariush's ground game. And then obviously the striking as we, you and I had talked before the fight, John, and, and I thought that Oliveira had the advantage in the strike game and he showed it tonight. I mean, I mean, that was a, that was a textbook, awesome performance. In my opinion, Grant, I want to know what you thought of his overall performance. Yeah, man, I was saying before you jumped on the show, I, I had no clue why people were were thinking Darius right. had a chance in this fight. Uh, yeah. I, I think that Charles Oliveira, Charles was an underdog, and, and I yes. don't bet because uh, because the UFC doesn't allow us to bet, and that's that's an honest statement. I do not bet. Of course. Uh, if I did bet, I would have put a lot of money on Charles Oliveira to win this fight because he is a beast, and I think that people – I was I – was, uh, telling him earlier, like, I think people forget Benil Dariush went to a split decision with uh, Diego Fajeda. Benil Dariush was getting beaten by Drew Dober until he got the submission. He was getting beaten by uh, Jakar Close until he got the knockout. He's one of those guys where it's like, I think that once he hits that high, high level, you know, he's, he's always going to come up short. And I'm going to be honest with you. I think the UFC knows that. And that's why they didn't give him a title shot after that long run of his. Um, I think that I'm I'm going to be completely honest with you, and I'm not just saying this because the fight's over. Is is Benil did a lot better than I thought he was going to do. I thought that Charles was going to absolutely run through him easily, like that, minus the top control that that uh, Benil had. 
I, I will say this, Grant. I I almost thought that the top control that I thought Oliveira gave him the top control, almost baiting him into the ground game. That's what it looked like to me. Obviously, he was maneuvering down there. He was landing a couple good ground and pounds, had a couple good elbows, had a couple good uh, a couple good shots, but it almost looked like Oliveira was goading him into it, saying, all right, big boy, you want to come play on the ground? I'm a master on the ground, okay? I've got the most submissions in UFC history, if I'm not correct, right, John? Yeah, I think so. Yes. So, um, yeah, it, it almost looked like Oliveira was was kind of baiting him to to play his game. That's why he wasn't quick to get up. That's why he wasn't quick to kind of move positions unless it was a sim, uh, submission position. Um, but, no, you, you what you said was spot on. He – Dariush has been in a lot of fights where the longer the fight went, he found a way to win in a weird opening. And and that's because he's a veteran in the game and he's known that, hey, as long as I'm in the fight, I've got a chance. You know, so um, a lot of those fights, though, he was – I mean, what was the fight where – I mean, he was basically knocked out on his feet and then all of a sudden came back and bam, bam, bam. It looked like there was three of those straight in a row at one point where he kind of caught it right at the very end, but it wasn't really a solidifying win. It didn't really feel like Darius absolutely dominated that entire thing. So do you think, uh, John and and Grant, do you guys think that uh, the UFC was was hesitant, didn't give him the title, and kind of fed him to the top shark just to see exactly his his skill set? I'll defer to Grant. Go ahead. Man, uh, I, I think that the UFC knew what was going to happen in that fight. And look, I'm I'm not talking shit on on uh, Dariush. This no, isn't no. like this isn't me trying to dog a man while he's down. I'm just saying what I see. Like I I've never looked at Dariush and thought, man, this is a guy that can beat Islam. This is a guy that can beat, you, you know. He he's been knocked out by Alex Hernandez. He's been he's been beat before. You know what I mean? When when you got a guy like Charles Oliveira, he went on his win streak. So so you had Charles. And he was struggling. And then he went on his win streak, but the win streak was different. He was finishing guys. He was demolishing people. Uh, Benil Dariush's best win is against, against Gamrot. And look, I can make excuses for my friend. I chalked that up to, dude, Gamrot had an off night, and Charles had a really, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Uh, Dariush had a really good night. And it's one of those things where, like, you know, maybe maybe it was too much for Gamrot at the time. I think that Gamrot's a better fighter. I really do. I think that uh, he just wasn't the better fighter that night. And so it's one of those things where I think the UFC really saw, like, okay, he's beaten so many guys. We have to give him, you know, if he beats this guy, he'll get in. But we just don't see him beating this guy. I didn't see it. I, I did not, for the life of me, think that Charles uh, – God, I'm, I'm so tired. I'm sorry. Uh, see – Benil Darius winning that fight over Charles. Yeah, the only the only path to victory that I saw was really just what we saw at the beginning of the first round was him just getting on top and not necessarily getting as much ground and pound, but just getting that control time and, and winning off of that. But other than that, I really didn't see him, especially winning those stand-up exchanges. And if it got entangled on the ground or if it was a scramble exchange, Charles Oliveira really is just very good at getting in those in-between spots and getting you off guard when it's and you're not in those standard positions. Uh, but getting into the next fight of the night, Mike Malat with the finish over Adam Fuggett in the first round. Sorry, second round. Um, in the first round, though, he had a beautiful body kick that actually hurt him right away. It was the first body kick he threw. But in the second round, it was the right hook, left hook combination that put him out to get a to get on top, get the mounted guillotine. Uh, Blake, what was your thoughts on this fight, my man? Uh, dude, at, I want to hear you say his name one more time. Uh, is it, is it Fugit? Fuck it. I heard you say fuck it. Adam, fuck, fuck it. it. 
I'll take it, right? I, I, I don't know. Who cares? Is I, I believe it's Adam Fugit. Um, but no, uh, Adam Fugit got oh my freaking computers lolling. Uh, Malat looked fantastic. Um, the, his combos that he had to set up and then eventually set uh, Fugit down and, and get that guillotine and sink it in. And the way he was able to get mount on top of that guillotine, I mean, that's just going to crank the neck. And it, Grant, you can probably attest to this better than anybody. You know, getting somebody in a top mount guillotine, I assume it feels like your entire head is going to be lifted off of your body, um, if not just passing out. Uh, I, I thought Malat, especially putting on for, for his Canadian fans in Canada, um, and he was the last Canadian fighter of the night going off with a checkmark win um, for Canadians. I thought that was a, a very good fight by him, and I was very impressed. Yeah, I thought he had a impressive performance, especially given the fact that his first three fights, um, one of those being on the Contender Series, he finished in the first round. So for him to continue that streak, get the finish in the second round, obviously just over 30 years old, um, and he's still a young contender. Um, Grant, do you think this is somebody that we should be watching out for more going forward? Yeah, man, absolutely. I feel like when guys come out and they have uh, they have a high finish rate, it's usually by one thing. I've got a really high finish rate. Most of my high finish rate is by submission. He's got knockouts. He's got submissions. He he he's got it all. Like the dude is extremely extremely well rounded, and I think he's very very dangerous. Now I. I think he is still a little bit young in the sport. I wouldn't be throwing him up against. Uh, I, I wouldn't be throwing him up against guys like Jack Delamana, Lena, or anybody like that. I don't think he's ready for that, but I definitely think he's ready for a step up. I yeah. I would say, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. Um, no, I definitely think the guy so far has put together, um, I believe he has a 100% finish rate in the UFC. He's got six submissions already in his career. Um, Grant has six submissions in his last 10 fights. So that's where he needs to get to. All right. That's where he needs to get to at this point. Um, and obviously Grant also has just devastating knockout power. So don't, don't sleep on his, sleep on his punch game. Cause that, that, that's when you get fucking slept, baby. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but no, but I thought the lot was very impressive. I think he's going to be one of those guys that you feed a couple more not to say bottom feeders, but somebody that you let slowly climb the ladder to build that confidence and see if that power and that, um, that's not, not the power, but the submission game really stacks up as much as the competition builds. And the more he can impress people, the more he's going to rise up the ladder. I, I think you give him a vet. I think, I think you don't, I think you give him somebody that's on his way out, but has yes. that experience that can hang around. The, the problem is when you have big finishers like this, and I, I can attest to this because I ran into it, my, my UFC debut, um, I had a hundred percent finish rate. No, I've never been to the third round of a fight because I had finished everybody or gotten finished myself. And uh, the first guy I fought in the UFC just wouldn't go away. And that was some. That was a lesson that I had to learn. It was like, oh my goodness, I can't just go out here and you know put put everybody. I can't put everybody on their ass and then submit them. So it, it was a very big learning lesson for me. So you put him in there against a veterinarian, a veterinarian, a veteran. <laughs> yeah, get him a veterinarian. Get him a vet. Uh, put him in there. <laughs> He'd probably finish a veterinarian. Let's be real. So uh, that was put your, him there that against was a vet. Rosa fight, right? Yes, sir. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but you put him in there against a vet and somebody that like you know. Okay, man, I've been hurt before. I've 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 seen. I know what a third round is, and then you kind of see how he does from there. I think somebody like Ponzinibbio. Would be a really good uh, a really good test for him. Um, Ponzinibbio is a friend of mine, a training partner of mine. I actually think that he would win the fight. But man, if he can take out a guy like Santiago Ponzinibbio, that's a big win for him. 
Well, and when you have and when you have such a division in the welterweight division that's so stacked, like obviously some of these guys have been able to move up quickly in the division because the division's a little light, light in the loafers, but the welterweight division is absolutely stacked. So you can't it's weird it's it'd be weird to find like like if you had to get you said Ponzinibbio, who else would you would you think that Malat could go after on with somebody who's on their way out? Man, you got Ponzinibbio. Uh, this guy's not really on his way out, but I think Alex Moreno would be one of those guys that he—he—he's a vet. He—it's—it's it's so weird to say he—he's young, but he's also a vet. If that—if that makes sense, he's been in nope. a lot of wars. Somebody like Brian Barbarino. Uh, you got—you got, you got uh, what? I can't think of his name now. Uh, the tall dude, uh, the semi guy, the Jedi dude. Um, Matt Semmelsberger. Uh, I think—I think that's. That's a really good test. These guys aren't necessarily like veterans in the sense that they're on their way out, but they're veterans in the sense that they've been in wars. They've been yes. in these fights. They've gone three rounds. They've been beat up before. You can put a Nico Price there too. You just said, you absolutely, yeah. absolutely. That's a good one. Great name drop. So moving on to the next fight, because you know Mike Mulat, just just make sure you guys, as anybody who's listening, check out his fights in the future. You don't want to miss his fights. This guy's finished fights, standing or or on the ground. This is somebody you want to check out. But moving on to the next fight, speaking of guys you typically don't want to miss, although this one was not quite as much the banger uh, typically as we see, uh, Danny Gay versus Nate Landwehr. Um, like we were talking about, Grant, you know, it was more uh, so a thing where you saw Nate not necessarily be himself as far as that reckless, you know, go for a broke fighter uh, the entire time. You saw him be a lot more, you know, just reserved, calculated. Because you knew the power that Dan Ige brought back. But, you know, just give us your thoughts on the fight overall. And then maybe what you see the next step is for Dan Ige. Man, I, I think that... So, I, I'm never opposed to somebody that's trying to get better as an MMA fighter. So, if his coaches are telling him, hey, man, you can't have these type of David Onama wars that you had, you know, or you're not going to have a long career. You're not going to... I'm okay with that. The problem is, once you start losing, doing the new stuff... You got to go back and try the old stuff. And I think that he had, he, he, that third round, he was very, there was no question. You don't need open scoring to understand that you're losing the fight. So in that third round, I think you say, okay, man, I need the, I need the dog. I need the old Nate Landwehr back. We need new Nate Landwehr isn't good enough. We'll, we'll, we'll chalk that up. Let's bring out the dog again. And then you just try to go for it. I think halfway through the second round, he should have just been like, all right, this isn't working. I need to start making this a dog fight. Now, that is easier said than done. Dog fighting is not fun. It's not one of those things that I highly recommend. I've been working on my striking a lot. If I start getting my ass kicked in striking, I'm definitely going back to my wrestling immediately. So I think it's one of those things that he'll learn from. So, Blake, what do you feel like the main reason Nate changed his game up? Because this is what brought him to the dance, right? He obviously got to finally fight a ranked, uh, ranked fighter at this time. What do you feel was the main reason that he didn't fight like himself in this fight? So I honestly truly believe that this was one of those things. So so Nate, what, and I'm going to give a shout out to Nate Landwehr because he is from the place that I went to college, Clarksville, Tennessee. That's where Nate's from, and he represents everything. If you've ever been to this city, Clarksville, Tennessee, Nate Landwehr represents about everything that you could ever want from that city. It's grimy. It's dingy. It's just a fucking place that breeds dogs man and that's the way nate lambert fights man he he is i'm gonna come forward and if i get hit i got a chin and i'm gonna keep doing it and you even saw that in the fight against danny gay today 
you saw him get knocked down. And as soon as he got knocked down, he came up swinging. He came up with a knee. He came. He was looking to counter right away. He wasn't looking to stay down. I think one of the problems that um, you saw from Nate was he tried to change his game so much to fit the style of Dan Ige that it didn't look like he kept, like Grant said, like he kept that dog in him, that what brought you to the dance, we're going to stick with that game plan. You see this a lot of times in football. You know, people try to change schemes. Um, I, I think you see it with fighters a lot too. They Once they go up in competition and their their expectations are raised and they've, they're kind of fighting somebody outside of what they've ever fought before, it's no longer backyard brawling. It's no longer guys at the bottom of the barrel. You're now fighting top of the top. You're fighting top 15 guys. Sometimes the moment makes you overcalculate, And I think that overcalculation threw him off of his game in the beginning. And it, it should have been, like Grant said, going back in that second round, middle of the second round, when you realized, hey, I'm getting tagged a couple times. And, and he was able to fight through a lot of those big punches from 50K Dan Ige. But he didn't pressure as much as he's used to. He didn't swing and bang like we've seen him do before. And I think it really played more of a mental game. And I think it was more of a mental game with him and himself. I don't think it was anything Dan necessarily did. I think this was a 100% uh, Landwehr playing with himself. Uh, pause. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I think um, going forward, I think this was a huge um, learning lesson for Nate Landwehr. I think I think going forward, he's going to go back and say, listen, I, I was out of my game. And whether I did that to myself or my camp uh, was kind of geared towards that, I, I, like Grant said, go back to the basics and and bring what got you to this dance, man. Yeah, I think when you go, especially what Grant said, uh, when it's not working halfway into the second round and you know you're not winning the fight, you have to start changing up what's happening. You can't continue to use the what's not working in the fight. You have to change your game plan. You have to make adjustments in the fight. You know, maybe you had a game plan coming in. That game plan doesn't work. You have to have a plan B, a plan C, because things might not just go your way in the first couple of minutes in the fight. But as far as Dan Ige go, this is a guy that's, you know, took a couple of fights um and you know he lost to Mozart Evloev lost to Josh Emmett but got the win over Damon Jackson now got the win um over Nate Landwehr so maybe looking at the next the uh, potential next fight for him would you guys be interested in, in Cater versus Ige too obviously Cater is coming off of a couple losses himself against Arnold Allen and Josh Emmett himself um Blake what are your thoughts on maybe a rematch between those guys you know I think Dan's on a roll right now I think the last few fights that he's had have been fantastic. And versus Calvin Cater, honestly, Cater, Cater's one of those guys to me that he, I, on the card when I see him, I get hyped, but I feel like he underperforms a couple times. Like I feel like he's underperformed a few times. And and Ige seems like the guy to me that would that would expose a lot of the things that he does, uh, because to me, Dan has just really been on a quite the role right now. I mean, obviously he's gotten a couple performance bonuses. He's looked really good even against a guy like, I mean, hell, Nate Landwehr versus, versus Cater might be a good fight. I mean, like, so the, to beat a guy like that, I Cater isn't as, and this this sounds weird, obviously. Like, I, we got Grant Dawson here. I'm not a fighter. Like, this probably sounds weird for me to say. Like, he just doesn't jump off the page as much as I'd like him to in some of these fights, but I want to defer that to Grant because I would, I'd much rather hear his opinion than mine. 
Yeah, great. What are um, your thoughts on that? Or maybe um, like Ayman Report said in the comments, like a Sadiq Yusuf matchup as well. Yeah, man. Look, I, I, I'm a fan of Sadiq. I, I wish that he would get back in there and fight because, you know, he fights once and then and then takes two years off. So it's like I, I don't really like to talk about him when it comes to potential matchups just because we never know when he's going to fight. I think Kelvin Cater needs to fight Billy Quarantillo. Um, Billy, uh, Billy's got a fight. Uh, I can't remember who it is. But, but he Damon Jackson, I think he's fighting Damon Jackson. I think you give Kelvin Cater the winner of uh, Billy Quarantillo and Damon Jackson. And uh, I think you give uh, Ige um, Arnold Allen. I think that makes more sense for him. You know, he's kind of on the up. Arnold's coming off of a decision loss to somebody as incredible as Max Holloway. I think that those, those are the fights that make sense. I don't really want to see... I, I think that no matter how good Ige looks, I just don't think that stylistically he can beat a guy like Kelvin Cater. He just doesn't have the... Uh, what, what's the word, uh, range control to deal with how long Calvin Cater is and how powerful he is. And not to mention that Ige is not really much of a grappler. So it's one of those things where it's like we want to watch two boxers box and we already know which one's the better boxer. So what, what would really change here? Not to mention as well, I don't think that this was a performance by Dan Ige that really jumps out on the page as – this guy's a future contender. Like this guy's gonna beat Volkanovski someday. So it's it's one of those things where I'd rather see him beat somebody with some clout before I'm I'm like, yeah, let's throw him back in there with somebody like Kelvin Cater. I do yeah. have to make a, a point of contention real quick on my own self. Um, <laughs> I in my mind, I was you said Kelvin Cater. I was actually picturing Ian Kuntalaba for some odd reason. So that is 100% my bad. Take everything I did, put take it off the table. For some odd reason, I was picturing Ian Kutalaba. So everything I said, just get rid of it. And uh, wait, wait, the the two fire Ian Kutalaba? Yes, the Hulk, Mr. Right? Hulk himself, Mr. Green Face Paint. I don't know why I mixed those two up just now, and I do apologize. Very unprofessional, but I don't know, like that. Yeah. So let me. Yeah. Whatever. Anyway, continue, John. <laughs> I mean, you can you can kind of see how maybe uh, a steroided Calvin Cater could end up being an Iwan Kutalaba down the line. I don't I don't know. Maybe you see, that's where it happened there. Uh, but let's get to the opener for the card: uh, Mark Andre Barrial versus Eric Anders. This was actually a quite exciting fight. Uh, Anders got dropped early in the first round, but from here he kept the pace on, did a good job landing good knees in the clinch. Um, but off of his back foot, Mark Andre Barrial was doing a really good job just maneuvering. Landing counter right hands, landing the counter left hands as well. Um, thoughts on the fight overall, um, Grant, and, and just your thoughts on Mark Andre Barrial. Yeah, I mean, I think it was a good fight. Um, I, I I'm not super. I don't think that that. Uh, man, I'm blanking on it. You just said his name. Uh, no, 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 the other one. Um, uh, Anders. Eric Anders. Yeah, I, Anders. Sorry, I wanted to call him Andre. Anders. I'm, I'm not, I don't think he's a very good fighter. I'm, I'm going to be completely honest with you. I think he's a good athlete, and I think he's in a division that allows him to stick around because it's not very uh, thick when it comes to depth. So it, it, it was a good fight. I, I had fun watching the fight, but I, I think it could have been better. I think that after this fight, I didn't say to myself, man, one of these guys is a future contender. And whenever you have those types of fights, it's just it's it's really hard to be like, you know, yeah, you had a good performance. You won the fight. I think it was 30-27, if I remember correctly. And uh, it was like, cool, but I just can't see either one of these guys beating anybody in the top 10. 
yet. It more so seems like those are two guys that you just kind of put together to try to put and get an exciting fight out of. And, you know, they didn't, like you said, it wasn't necessarily a banger top to bottom, but it was a solid fight overall. I, I thought it was, you know, it, it delivered as far as not being boring, quite like the main event, essentially. Um, so I, I thought at least it was a good start to the card. It got you warmed up and getting into the rest of the card. Um, Blake, I, I saw you wanted to say something. Oh, uh, yeah, I was just so uh, as you and I talked beforehand, I had actually so I did since I don't fight in the UFC grant, I was able to place a couple bets on these these matches tonight. Um, Let me ask you this. Did you guys believe what was it unanimous in your guys's mind? Definitely. Definitely. Grant. Okay. Okay. I guess that, that might be the bias in the betting of me watching it coming out. Um, I could have seen split. I guess I was just like, I don't know if it was straight unanimous, especially not a 30, 27. But again, after I, I saw the result, I was like, uh, let me reevaluate this fight. And I kind of went back and rewatched it. And, and burial did look very good. I thought, I think it was because I was rooting. And this is the bad thing about betting, um, especially in a sport that you commentate in because it, it tends to make you watch the fight through a different lens than you than just being a straight up non-biased um, analyst. And so after that, I stopped watching any fight that I bet on that night through the lens of a better and more through the lens of an analyst. But uh, I got a little over anxious in that one. And I was like, man, I don't know if that was unanimous. But again, going back, rewatching it, it, it didn't. I mean, Barry Alt looked good again. And I believe, uh, yeah, Marc-Andre Barry Alt, Again, putting on for Canada, in Canada, doing good for the home crowd, want to pump it up. But, yeah, Eric Anders, great talent, great talent of athlete, uh, former Alabama linebacker, obviously. Yeah, uh, you know, what sport should he go back to there, Grant? Should he go back to football, maybe just get into CrossFit? Dude's fucking stacked, that's for sure. No, I'm not I'm not saying that he shouldn't fight in the UFC. I'm not saying that he, he doesn't uh... – he doesn't put on good fights. And at the end of the day, that's really, at the end of the day, the only thing that matters is winning. But right under that, being an, being an entertaining fighter is the next best thing because you'll, you'll keep your job when you win and you'll keep your job most of the time if you're entertaining. So it's like, I'm not saying that he should go back to football. He would not make it in football. Now he's not that good. And, uh, I I just mean when I see him fight, it's not one of these things where it's like, man, I can't wait till he gets on his win streak because he's going to be a world champion someday. You know, it's one of those things where I'm like, if this guy was in a different weight class other than heavyweight, he would have been cut by now. So let me ask you this, Grant, and John as well. Do you think with the power that Eric Anders has, do you think that he could make a name for himself in it. Like, let's say for some reason he left the UFC. I'm not saying he should again, Grant, not Grant didn't say that, but if he did leave the UFC, do you think that he would have a better chance in any other division or I'm sorry, any other organization? Or do you think that he might make a name for himself in bare knuckle? Yeah. To, to what Grant said, to, to what Grant said, I don't think he has the technique um, to to be a bare knuckle boxer, right? He just more more so uses his athleticism to try to win fights. So for him to go out there and, and use and fight bare knuckle would almost be like to see him. I mean, we see with Greg Hardy, right? He's just getting put down over and over again. So I don't want to see that happen to to Eric Anders. I, I do think 
he is a solid fighter. He can win fights in, in different promotions. So if it's not the UFC, you know, obviously I'm biased towards the PFL, but PFL, Bellator, you know, other promotions as well. He can still go out there. He can still get wins and he can still, you know, like Grant said, put on, put on entertaining fights. Yeah, I, I just just to add on to that, man, he's fighting in the best organization in the world right now. Everybody, even even in the even the bad divisions, they're still the best fighters in the world at that weight class. So if he were to leave and go to let's say Bellator or um, uh, PFL, I think he would. Well, I guess there is no there's no. Uh, so if he goes to Bellator, I still think he does well. I still think he does um, absolutely well based on his athleticism. He yeah. is. Win- couple of fights at the in at the UFC level if you can win a couple fights at the UFC level you're going to do really well in other promotions the UFC is the top basically what you're saying is is an NFL player goes and plays high school or uh, college uh, football again is he going to do well absolutely he's going to do well he is the best he is one of the best and it is only downhill from here that is a perfect analogy and I'm glad that you brought that back so guys getting into uh, almost here on 45 minutes so just taking a quick breakdown of the prelims. Unfortunate ending for Chris Curtis versus Nasruddin Imabov. Another headbutt for Chris Curtis. Um, it ended up being a no contest in the second round. We had Jasmine Jazavadacious turning it around after that first round, getting the win over Miranda Maverick. Ayman Zahabi getting the knockout left hook. I believe it was left hook uh, over Ariki Lang in the first round. We had Kyle Nelson um, getting the win over Builder. Uh, Steve Ursek coming in, beating a number 10 ranked guy. I think it was on nine day notice. So shout out to Ursek and then Diana Bilbita winning o- to uh, winning over Maria Oliveira. Grant, what was your favorite fight on the prelims um, for this card? It was uh, the, the flyweight fight, the one you just talked about and, I am so tired. His name is Steve Ursig versus David Dvorak. Yes, that one is absolutely amazing. Uh, I got to say that and my wife said this, so I'm going to give her credit on it. Uh, she said uh, Steve looks like uh, Ray Ramon and Aaron Rodgers had a baby. And I just cannot unsee it after that. But, man, I will tell you what. He came in there and he looked absolutely amazing. I cannot wait to see this guy fight again. Uh, we saw what he could do on eight days notice. Let let he's now the number ten uh, flyweight in the world. That's incredible. Eight days notice. Uh, eight days ago, a, a little over a week ago, he was a nobody and he was one of the worst fighters in the world because he wasn't ranked. Now he's number ten in the world. Like this is this is incredible. So I definitely and and it wasn't even like a he he got lucky. We saw Alexander Hernandez come into the UFC and get a quick knockout over Benil Dariush. You can chalk that up to luck. I don't believe in luck, but you can chalk that up to luck and. Uh, not in this case. When you decision somebody, and, and convincingly, in my opinion, uh, was it, I can't remember if it was unanimous, but I had a unanimous, or not unanimous, 30-27. Uh, I had a 30-27. I don't know what the actual score was. I had a 30-27. He looked incredible, in my opinion. I cannot wait to see him fight again. Yeah, I mean, like you said, stepping in on just over a week's notice, I think he wants to fight in his hometown of Australia, I think it was, in 11 yeah. weeks. I think that should be it. I think he should get that fight. Uh, Blake, any thoughts? Were you able to check this fight? Thoughts on that fight? I wasn't able to check that fight, unfortunately. I had a kind of a busy Saturday. But Did you one, check any of the other prelim fights? What was your favorite yeah, prelim fight of the night? I actually liked was the Jasmine Jazza Vicious versus Miranda Maverick. Uh, I thought Jazza Vicious looked very crisp, very clean. Um, it was a decision win. She obviously wasn't able to get the knockout, but I thought that her striking looked extremely good throughout this entire fight. And I'm not, I'm, I'm just saying, I love watching the ladies fight, man. 
I'll tell you what, when there's a good, when there's a good women fight, it just it kind of ups the entire card, especially when you have some back to back. The Amanda Nunez fight, obviously, we were hoping for a knockout from Amanda Nunez. I, I thought the striking um, of uh, Aldana was going to be a little bit more on point today. She looked a little timid during the fight, so I really thought Jazzita Vicious looked really well, and and she really impressed me today, and that she got the decision win over man, right? ah Miranda Maverick. Yeah, I think the most impressive part, in my opinion, I mean, but was just her ability to stay on top in all the ground situations. Just yeah. for her to, to be able to, and no matter what it is, just end up on top, end up in those leverage positions. Even when Miranda Maverick was getting that armbar attempt in the first round, she was able to stay safe. She was able to keep her pressed up against the fence, so she wasn't able to fully extend and you know get the full leverage for that armbar. So I feel like regardless, she did a good job, of, especially rallying. From in my opinion, she lost that first round. And getting that second and getting that third round, the way she was just able to turn it around was just super impressive, especially being, in my opinion, like I said, down in that scorecard. Um, I obviously want to give a shout out to Sahabi with that, you know, quick first round knockout. It was, uh, in my opinion, the cleanest finish of the night before Charles Oliveira coming in. Um, but guys, do you have any other prelims fights you want to give some shout outs to before we close it off here? Uh, <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, I, I've trained, not me personally, but uh, Jasmine trains at uh, ATT when she isn't fighting in Canada. And so I was really happy for her. And I thought that this was a really big win for her. Um, I think Miranda Maverick needs to, to figure something out because when she got into the UFC, she looked a lot crisper and a lot more like an athlete. I, I, I don't know what's going on in her personal life, but, you know, she needs to change gyms or something because it's not that she's, she continuously loses. It's that she's looking terrible yeah. every time. She's looking worse every time she fights. You know, she came in and she lost a fight to, uh, why can't I never think of her name? Uh, Macy Barber. I'm sorry. She lost a close decision to Macy Barber and she was at least throwing straight punches, moving her head, moving her feet, and her wrestling looked decent. She ended up losing that fight. And ever since then, every time I see her fight, whether she wins or loses, she looks like she's just declining in skill. And I'm not trying to pick on her. I'm trying to offer some words of advice i think she needs to change something or she's not going to have a job soon it almost seems like a case of if you're not moving forward you're moving backwards and she's not continuing to grow her game it seems like she's stuck in that same and like you said she came into the ufc with a well-rounded ability um and i can't remember like you said one of those fights i think she got split bust open um as well but for her just to continue to come out and not really just show sharpening of her tools in any specific you know whether it's the striking or the ground game she's not showing an ability to be consistent and finish in those abilities so um like you said i think that's a great point there but shout out to like you said jazz Vedacious for an excellent uh fight and comeback win tonight guys we had an uh, eventful ufc 289 card we had charles Oliveira, you know we had amanda nunez first of all retaining her title and then retiring calling it a career best female mixed martial artist of all time, we had Charles Oliveira defeating Benil Yardarius, and we had an excellent rest of the card. Uh, Grant, we want to thank you, obviously, for for taking time out of your day. We know you're cutting weight for a fight coming up soon, and you know you're gonna have to be on tees with your diet and everything, and it's up late for you. So appreciate you. Any final thoughts on on the, the tonight's show before we head out? Uh, yeah, man, I, I thought it was a good I thought it was a good night, and uh, I would advise anybody that is going into uh, when you when you work your entire life for something and and you you dedicate your whole life to one moment, go watch that moment with uh, Amanda Nunez and Aldana tonight and don't do what Aldana did and actually go out there and fight. 
<laughs> Blake, my man, I know you had to join us a little bit late. Had some, uh, had some, my man, you had some duties on the side. Um, any final thoughts before we close out here tonight? Um, no, kind of piggybacking off what Grant said. Um, we've, we've seen people get their, get their eyes big and bright in the headlights of stardom. And, um, I'll tell you somebody who hasn't done that is Grant Dawson. Grant Dawson has gone out there every single time in the UFC. And from the moment that he has stepped in, he has gone nothing but toe to toe with the moment living up to the moment. You know, we, we saw it with Megan Anderson, unfortunately we've seen it out tonight with Aldana. Um, Juliana Pena was able to come up and step up against, against Nunez and actually take it to her. So I would say, don't be those people, be a Grant Dawson, be a Juliana Pena and go out there, whatever it is, whether it's in your life, whether it's in in fighting, whether it's in sports, go attack the moment. Don't let the moment come to you and take you over. Um, And I just want to give a a huge shout out and thank you to Grant for being not only an awesome sport, but a a great um, co-host. So thank you guys. Obviously real real quick, just, there's nothing wrong with losing. There's nothing no. wrong with coming short. Like I, I have nothing against her losing the fight. I'm no. picking on her because she had an opportunity and she didn't even try. She had a she had a reach advantage, and we talked about this earlier, John. That we had a reach advantage, and you come out like this. You're supposed to be a boxer, and you don't know what a goddamn jab is. Like, <laughs> I'm not I'm not trying to pick on her. I'm trying to say younger fighters coming up. Someday you're going to be in this position. Don't do what happened there. Yeah, you have to take advantage of those moments when they when they come because, like you said, Grant, they're very few and far in between. I mean, you look at guys that have made it or gone their whole careers and not have won an undisputed title, right? Tony Ferguson didn't win undisputed, right? You had guys like Grant, uh, not Grant, um, Cowboy Cerrone uh, going, uh, not winning a title, right? Uh, Grant, obviously, you're going to win that title, my man, so we don't got to worry about that. Future Hall of Famer Grant Dawson right over here. Um but obviously, guys, if you have, like you, like Blake said, being inspirational, close off. Whether no matter what it is in life, make sure you guys grab it by the horns. Make sure you guys go out on your shield. Appreciate Miss My Man Dave Van Auken letting us have the show. Appreciate Blake and obviously my man, Mr. Grant Dawson. Thank you guys for watching. As always, make sure you guys like the video. Make sure you guys subscribe. Um, follow us on Instagram, you know, that fight bananas on Instagram, Facebook, everything else. So that way you're caught up on all the, the UFC and all the other promotions fight news right up to date. And make sure you guys check out our boy Grant Dawson. I think it's 21 days we're coming up and he's going to have a fight coming up soon. So good luck in your fight, my man. We hope to have you back on us soon. Coming back after that, you go get that dub. Let's go again. Appreciate you guys.